0: We've heard so many things here recently, especially this past month. We, we're just so thankful for the reach of this church. And Lord, we thank you that it does reach beyond the borders and re, even reaches beyond the borders of our own hearts, Father. I'm sure that all of us have been challenged in some way this past month to, to just rise up and, and take more seriously the, the mission to go. Father, we thank you that that challenge has come at us from so many different ways, Father. It's come from Jonathan challenging us with your word, your words that you spoke yourself. To to those who have actually gone, and Quint, who's who's gone to China and now he's back with us. To to these other missionaries that we had the privilege to meet and hear their heart. Father, we just thank you that we're seeing so many things happen. and, And Father, we desire to see more. Lord, we want to see you do a great work in and through us. And, Father, we thank you for last weekend and the the compassion experience. And, Father, I just thank you for all those who stepped up to to rescue a child from poverty, Father, to introduce them to a a Savior. Father, we're in awe of what you've done here this month. And Father, we pray that you'll continue to, to move in our midst as we're motivated to go, not just to, not just to hear about going, but to go ourselves, whether it's through prayer, through financial support, through going as in going ourselves. Father, we thank you for the challenge. We thank you for what you're capable of doing in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you will, turn to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. Uh, We're going to actually do two things today. Uh, Many of you remember uh, over the last three years, periodically, we did some studying Romans. I'm finishing Romans today, okay? Uh, For those of you who say, well, what about chapter 16? I covered out on a Wednesday night. Should have been here. Sorry. Um, But anyway, we covered that. So we will have covered every verse as of today. Uh, Every verse of Romans scattered throughout the last three years. We're finishing that today, but we're also finishing the series Beyond the Borders. And today I want to talk to you about a compelling reach. It's interesting that Quint mentioned just a moment ago of how the Holy Spirit compelled him to go. And I was sitting there and I was thinking, well, well, he's nailed the sermon already. That compelling reach, that thing that moves us to go and be obedient to the Great Commission. So if you will, turn to Romans chapter 15. Now, where we are in the letter of Romans, Paul is basically getting very personal with us. He does that a lot in a lot of his letters. But it seems that he's basically saying, hey guys, I just want to let you know what motivates me, what I need from you. And and, and really, I need you to rally around because I really believe in what I'm called to do. And I need you to rally around. I need to feel your support in this. And that's basically what he's getting ready to share with us in the verses we're getting ready to look at today. So look at the introduction. The key word in this passage is minister. And the key theme is Paul's compelling reach to those who are lost. His compelling reach is an example to any church or person that has the same passion as Christ for the lost. This may require reaching beyond the borders of one's heart. There's some of you who have been a part of this study for this month, and, and some of you, you must admit, your heart's been tugged at. I hope it has. But here's what you need to understand. Your heart being tugged is not because people stood in front of you and necessarily convinced you of something. Hopefully, the tug came by way of the Holy Spirit. That it's the Holy Spirit that's moving in your heart. It's the Holy Spirit that's causing you to have a a mindset and a heart very similar to the heart that Jesus had when he walked the earth. The heart for the lost. The heart who are blind, who cannot see the spiritual things. So the first thing I want you to see this morning is the picture of Paul's compelling reach. I want you to look at uh, chapter 15. Look at verse 14. I want to back up one verse, and here's what he says. Now, I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren. When he says, my brethren, he's talking about those who profess Christ. He's talking about those who have the like-mindedness to know that they are Christ's followers. And he's basically talking to those who are saved. And here's what he says, that you also are full of goodness. The word goodness there it really is a whole lot bigger than what you think it is. Goodness is not just you're just a good person. It means that who you are is Your good works. It's that whole idea that spiritual transformation has taken place in you. And so that's what he means when he says full of goodness. And then he says filled with knowledge. He's talking of those who know truth. When you put together spiritual transformation with those who know truth, you have what is called spiritual maturity. Paul was saying, listen, I'm talking to you believers who are spiritually mature in Christ. And I want to tell you something, and here's what he says, that they're able also to admonish one another. Those who are spiritually minded, those who, who, who know truth, those who see transformation taking place in their lives, so much so that they're spiritually mature, they have the ability to admonish, to challenge, to encourage, to stir up one another. How many of you sometimes just need a good stirring up? I know I do. I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I just think, I'm, I am i just get the feeling I'm just kind of coasting through life, don't you? It's just I'm going from one thing to the next and just responding to everything around me with no preset determination to do what God's called me to do. Sometimes I get caught up in that, and I'm a pastor, But the thing that we need to understand is that God is up to something when it comes to our lives. And Paul was pouring his heart here. He's basically saying, let me give you a picture of what compels me. And the first picture we see here, look on your outline, is to unbelievers. And he's talking about his mission. If you go and look at verses 15 through 22, you're gonna find Paul's heart as it relates to the whole idea of him on mission. And then second of all, to believers, his ministry. If you look at verses 23 through 33, he's talking about not only does he have a mission to those who are lost, he has a ministry to those who are believers. I personally believe God has called every one of us to have the same thing. We are to have a heart not only for what happens within the church, to be a part of that work, to to stir up one another, to use our gifts in such a way that we see great things happen, but we're also called to have a heart for missions. And that's what we've been trying to do here for the last month, is to introduce you to allow the platform for the Holy Spirit to work in your life, to introduce you to the need of missions, to the need that you, yourself, need to be active when it comes to missions. Next, we see the plan of Paul's compelling reach. And the first thing we find is basically his mission statement. His mission statement. Look at verse 15. He says, Nevertheless, brethren, I have written more boldly to you on some points as reminding you because of the grace given to me by God. That I might be a minister, here it is, a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Paul's mission statement, if you were to sum it up, was this. I want to go to the Gentiles, those who are not Jews. I want to go to those who are outside of what appears to be the faith of God, and that's the way the Jews saw it. These are people outside the faith of God. Paul was saying, I want to go to those people. My goal, the mission, the, the motivation, the passion that I have is for the Gentiles. I want to see God work so mightily that it won't be a work that's what he's saying here if you read it carefully. That it won't be a word that I'm out there just doing. It'll be something that no one will mistake that God showed up in this work. Now, y'all, that's where we all need to be. We need to be there as individuals and we need to be there as a church. That when we look at something, we look at it and we say only God could have pulled that off. Some of you are sitting here today and... You know, my testimony with my marriage and um, it's kind of amazing. We we give our testimony that the only reason we're still together is the grace of God. (laughs) It was the work of God. I'm convinced of that. She's convinced of that. And for some of you, you're sitting here today, and you have those stories, and you look into your life, and you say, if it were not for the grace of God, if it were not for God moving in my life, this would not be true of me. Y'all, that needs to be said of every one of us. And not something that happened necessarily 20 years ago, but what could have happened last week. God wants to be that real when it comes to our lives. And Paul, listen to this. I'm convinced of this. Every person needs to follow the mission of the Lord, I believe, through a specific mission statement. Now, you say, what do you mean? I think if we're not intentional enough to know what our life is really all about when it comes to what God desires, will totally miss what he desires for us. My mission statement that God gave me some years ago was one that kind of went along with the gifts that he's given me. And there's one thing, now listen, I'm called to do missions, I'm called to do all these things, but there's one passion God's given me. Here's the mission statement I see for my mission statement. To effectively teach the word so that the believer through the Holy Spirit can see his or her condition through the message of the scripture. That is my goal. Every time I stand up here on Sunday morning, I want you to see your life in reflection to what God's word says. And if it's not right, I wanna come and admonish you and challenge you to change whatever's going on in your life. That's my passion. Every time I put a sermon together, every time I think about a sermon, that's what I I want the Holy Spirit to do through the teaching of his word, which I believe is what he wants to do through his word anyway. And all I've done is chosen to come along and be a a faithful, obedient servant to that. Now, I don't know what that looks like for you, but there needs to be something like that in your life. You say, well, I can't get up in front of people. Well, I couldn't either years ago. But he might not be asking you to get in front of people. Maybe he just wants you to serve in, in another way. We all have been called so, my question to you is this What is your mission statement? What's he called you to do? He has called you. I can show you in scripture where he's called you. If you know him, he's called you. And we all need to understand that. First of all, we see his, his mission statement, that compelling reach. But then he shows us his motivation. Look at verse 17. Therefore, I have reason to glory in Christ Jesus in the things which pertain to God. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me. Now, some of you read that and you're like, did, did, did he say that right? How many of you ever heard someone say something and you're like, did they say that right? I think I know what they mean, but did they say that right? Well, the NIV kind of gives us a better look at this. Listen to what the New International Version says, he says, it says, I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. I'm not going to go out here and tell you how great I am. I'm not going to go out here and tell you how if I did this and then I did that and all of a sudden this happened. I'm going to tell you everything. I'm going to brag on what God did through me. And y'all, it is amazing what he's done through me. That's what Paul would tell you today. And he's like, this, I'm not in it. This thing's not about me. It's about what God is doing, and you wouldn't believe it. And then he goes on, he says, in word and deed to make the Gentiles obedient in mighty signs and wonders, how? By the power of the Spirit of God. It didn't come through anything I could create. It wasn't anything I could do on my own terms. It wasn't anything I could have made up. He just did it. Now, what's the difference between you and Paul. The difference is Paul knew what his life was supposed to be about. The difference is that Paul had a mission statement. He was very deliberate in the way he thought God wanted to use him. And he saw it very clearly. And and it's one of these things where you need to look at your life and say, okay, God, what have you called me to do? If you were to look at verse 17, you'd see the word glory. Paul says his motivation for ministry was to bring God glory. Glory. And then in verse 19, there's a word there, power. Our motivation, listen to this, our motivation is to bring God glory through the power he gives us to serve others. So here's my question. How do you serve other people? How do you do that? Well, I think it's really simple. You find out what their need is and then you attempt to meet it. That's how you serve other people. You say, give me an example. Read the Gospels. Look at what Jesus did. He went to meet needs. He would go. Now, he did have a big advantage on us. (laughs) He He knew what people were thinking. He, He didn't have to question motives because he knew their motives. He knew everything about them, and that's the reason we can't go about doing it that way. But one thing we can see that Jesus is the model is he went to people, he sought them out he found out what their need was and he went to meet that need. Some of them didn't even know they had a need until they met Jesus. How many of you are aware of that? And then he introduced himself to them and all of a sudden they began to see things differently. All of a sudden, God began to do a great work. So you say, well, how do I serve other people? Well, you gotta go out and find people. You gotta go out there. You you gotta find them. You gotta attempt to meet their need. And you see, that's what we're called to do. Now, some of you may disagree with this, and that's okay, but there are studies that support this. Much mental illness is linked to not accomplishing what we're created to do. Now, some of you are sitting here saying, you know, you could take that, that could be cruel the way you said that. I don't mean it to be cruel, I mean it to be a fact. If you're created to do something, you're not doing something. Do you think there might be problems? Yeah, there's going to be problems. And there's one thing that I believe is innate in all of us that we're born with. There's something there. There's a void that sits within us. Number one, the only way the void can be met is through God himself, the one who created us, through the provision of Jesus Christ. But second of all, there's something else within all of us. That even unbelievers realize it's there, but they don't necessarily know all about it. And that's the whole idea that we're here for one another. We're here to serve one another. You say, give me another example of that. You know what Jesus' favorite title for himself was? Son of man. You know what it meant? Servant of man. Need meter. (laughs) Someone that went out. And just tried to meet the needs of people, loved on people, was there. And listen, you say, well, let's get back to this mental illness thing. Let me just tell you this. When I start getting discouraged, when I start going through bouts of depression, and I've dealt with that, I'm sure many of you have. I heard that many of you have. I can easily look and I can say, you know something, who am I pouring into? And many times, you know what I'll find out? I'm not really pouring into anybody. I've turned inward. It's become more about me. I'm living my life solely about me. I'm making decisions solely about me. I'm spending my money solely about me. I'm giving up my resources and it's all about me. My gifts that God gave me to serve other people, I've made them about me. (laughs) That's far from what he created us for. And if we're not moving in those directions, we are going to have problems. We are, it comes with it. How many, of you, how many of you remember the old vacuum cleaners? You remember those old things? Remember the Electrolux? You remember them? Man, there was some, them, them boys, you could mow the grass with them things, you know? I mean, you, you'd carry them out in the yard and cut grass, you know? That, they were just amazing. They were built to last. Some of you, anybody still got one of those? Look at there, see? okay you either don't use it or they last right no i'm just kidding but but it's amazing now we, we've 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 graduated to the i can't think of what that thing is. it's all plastic how many of you know what i'm talking about you feel like if you if you bend on it too hard or press down it's going to break you ever you, you know what i'm talking about so so anyway you know what i found out They they don't do a bad job either You know, and you get in, you get to doing it, and 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 I'm totally losing why I'm brought up this illustration for, but but anyway, (laughs) but you know something. Here's what I found about life: there's got to be something real, there's got to be something durable about our life, and and so many times, and and listen, we're so fragile. Have y'all noticed that we seem to be so fragile? And you say, well, I'm from 85 years old. I expect to be fragile. I'm not talking about physically necessarily. I'm talking about we as Americans, we're very fragile people. Have you noticed that? We can't handle anything. I don't know about you, but there's times I get afraid to come up here and speak because I'm afraid I'm going to say the wrong thing that might offend half of you. Some things I'm not even aware of. I'll, I'll preach a message and go in, somebody will email me. You know that's not the proper term anymore. And I'm like, <laughs> what is the proper term? It's like, well, just start saying that and five years from now, that'll be the thing that you're not supposed to say. How I many of you know what I'm talking about? We've become so fragile to the point we're scared to put ourselves out there. And yet, here I am. It seems like every week I say something wrong. I can offend someone by making a statement. But you got to continue to put yourself out there. You see, I think the enemy's behind all that. He doesn't want us to speak out. He doesn't want us to have the platform that God has given every believer. And that is to go and meet the needs of others. That is to go. And, and, and no, we don't want to offend anybody intentionally. But at least put yourself out there. Y'all still trying to figure out how Electrolux gets into that. I am too, because I cannot remember how to get myself back to what we're talking about. (laughs) All right, Paul's compelling reach, his mission statement, his motivation. Number three is ministry platform. Look at verse 19, the second part. It says, so that from Jerusalem and roundabout to Icarium, I have fully preached the gospel. Now, what Paul's basically telling us, he's basically saying a lot of this was established in Jerusalem. There's just something about this platform. Now, think about Paul. He was a Pharisee. He was a great Pharisee. He was someone who people looked up to because he played the Pharisee so well. <laughs> he would have been a celebrity Pharisee, basically. He was up and coming. He could have been in the full ranks of pharisaicalism or whatever you want to call it but anyway he would have been there and yet he's saying i'm going to say, he many times he speaks from that platform now i want you to think about your platform what is your ministry platform let me just say where it starts it starts with the gospel the greatest thing that ever happened to you was that you became aware of the gospel the gospel is your only hope it's your only hope that's the part of your platform your gospel your story the gospel how it affected you your salvation hey here's another ministry platform your circle of influence so many times what do we think oh man we need to follow quint to china and we need to go to romania we need to go here we need to go there no we got enough ministry around us there's enough messed up people around you how many of you agree with that yeah yeah they're they're right there And yet there's that circle of influence. Your life experiences, your areas of life, you need to be stretched. Mission trips, teaching children or adults, whatever God's called you to do. Use what he's given you. Next, Paul's compelling reach, his methodology. Look at verse 20. He says, and so I have made it my aim to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build on another person's foundation. But as it is written, to whom he has not announced, they shall see. And those who have not heard, they shall understand. What Paul is saying in verse 21 is this. It's actually a quote from Isaiah. But listen to what he's saying. He's saying those who need to be reached are everywhere, including those who have never heard. Now, Paul, verse 20, he believed he was supposed to go and basically carry the gospel where it had not been carried before. That was the mission statement he had, okay? So he was called to carry it where it had never been before. Would you say in the first century, maybe uh, 30 years after Jesus, it had not been carried that far? It had not. Matter of fact, the New Testament had not even been put together. And so all of a sudden he's out there. Paul was very strategic in his methodology. He started new churches in the key cities of the Roman Empire. Think about where he started. Corinth, Ephesus, Philippi. You know, you, know, you know what links them together? They are all seaports. A lot of people came in and out of those areas. He made a point to go to those places because he could catch people who were coming from other parts of the world into those areas. He could give the gospel, they could take it back to those areas. He was very intentional and very strategic in what he was called to do. He planted churches in these locations. His, his method was well thought out. I want to give you four Ps for success. Write this down. It's not on your outline, but there's something here that Paul does and it can be successful for all of us. Number one, purpose. If you have no purpose, you're lacking a lot. I heard a psychologist say, the other day, and, and he was saying something that I've known for a long time, but he, he kind of re-energized me to the fact that I need to pay more attention to this. He said, everyone, listen, wants to belong to something. Everyone wants to belong to something. And everyone wants to have a sense of purpose that's bigger than they are. That seems to be deep within them. Can the gospel meet that need? Most definitely. Most definitely. People all over the world are crying out for these basic needs, and guess what? The greatest filler of it all is it's the gospel. You become you belong to the kingdom of God when you come to know the gospel terms. You 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 begin a place of belong. You have a purpose like you've never known before. But listen, I I meet so many Christians. I talk to so many Christians, and sometimes they're no different than than unbelievers. they don't seem to be in touch with the purpose of their life. Second of all, for success, this known, y'all, you know, I'm passion. Passion. There's a lot of people that I hear have purpose. They have this whole idea, this whole scheme of something. In, and, and, and it's always, listen to me, you know these people, it's always one day I'm going to do this, one day I'm going to do this, one day I'm going to do this. Great idea, fantastic plan. But they don't have the motivation or passion enough to get off the couch and do it. Number three is preparation. Everything God has called you to do, listen, He has prepared you for everything. You say, Well, I, I don't feel like I can go share my God, share to God. And I just, did you receive the gospel? If you receive the gospel, you can take the gospel because it's just there, it's a part of who we are now. And then lastly, a plan. And I would put vision there. Purpose, passion, preparation, plan. It's a vision. And that's what Paul was showing us right here in these verses. He said, listen, I don't care what you're talking about in life. These things work, and Paul tells us they work. To tremendous success, especially when they're put in the hands of the Holy Spirit, and he can do and conduct what he desires to do. The purpose, the principles of Paul's compelling reach. Every believer, I believe, is a minister. So so I want you to think of yourself. I am minister and then fill your name in. Now, when you think of ministers, most people think of the people out, out front in the church. That's just not true. Some of us are called to be pastors. Some of us are called to be teachers. But we're all ministers, every one of us. So his compelling reach, look on your outline, was connected through God's grace. Look at verse 15. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written more boldly to you on some points as reminding you because of the grace given to me by God. All ministry, this is amazing, is built on grace. How do you know that? If Paul did not receive grace, I'm convinced he would be paralyzed by his past. What did Paul do before he became a Christian? He had Christians killed. He went after them. If Paul didn't receive the grace of God, he would have been paralyzed by his past. Who am I? I used to kill these people. Now I am one. Who am I? He had to be touched by God's grace. We're all touched by God's grace. Jesus said, you have not chosen me, I've chosen you. Now go forth and bear fruit. But we give excuses. I, I have too many faults for God to use me. I've got a past back here. I, I, I haven't grown in a long time. I, can, I, I can't do that. Just as your salvation, all ministry is based on grace. Grace is the fact that God knows every stupid mistake I'm going to make, and he still chose me for ministry, for mission. God knows that I am imperfect, that I am going to stumble, that I am going to embarrass myself, that I'm not always going to make good judgments. Guess what? That's grace. We not only come to salvation by grace, we have ministry by grace. Next, his compelling reach was built on God's word. Verse 16, that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable and sanctified by the Holy Spirit. That is his message. Listen to this. Every significant ministry that is going to last is not built on a personality, but on the word of God. It's not built on a personality. Built on the word of God. Matter of fact, you, you can I tell you the determining outcome of what will happen if it's built on a personality. When the personality is removed, when it is when it shuts down. When it's built on what God has put in place, it won't shut down. Doesn't matter who's there. It doesn't matter who's there. Next. His compelling reach was operated for God's glory. Look at verse 17. Therefore, I have reason to glory in Christ Jesus and the things which pertain to God. For I will dare not to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and deed to make the Gentiles obedient. Paul realized that he could not take credit for anything he did in ministry. It all has to be for the glory of God. Next, his compelling reach was demonstrated in God's power not in human ingenuity and technique. Look at verse 19. It, how was it done? In mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus was talking about things that the disciples would do. In John 15:5, here's what he says. He says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit apart from me you're not going to accomplish a whole lot. It's all tied to him. It's in his power. Zechariah 4, 6, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says what? The Lord. It's by him. The lasting work of a ministry, a mission, is born and continued by the work of the Holy Spirit. Next, his compelling reach was planned according to God's purpose. Look at verse 22, for this reason, I also have been been much hindered from coming to you, but now no longer having a place in these parts and having a great desire these many years to come to you. Whenever I travel to Spain, I shall come to you, for I hope to see you on my journey and to be helped on my way there by you, if first I may enjoy your company for a while. Now, Paul had plans let me ask you a question anybody who knows anything about paul can give this answer did all his plans always pan out the way he said they would no there were times where god said we're going to change the script here we're going to change the plan and paul would go and do what god called him to do does that mean we shouldn't plan well listen to Proverbs 16 9 we should make our plans counting on God to direct us. Proverbs 13:16. a wise man thinks ahead, a fool doesn't and even brags about it. Proverbs 22:3. a prudent man foresees the difficulties ahead and prepares for them. To plan, listen, is both spiritual as well as strategic. We have to plan. There's things we gotta account for. There's things we must do. Almost 20 years ago, we're coming up on. I can't believe it's been 20 years. There was a vision I believe God firmly gave me and I shared it with our leadership uh, 20 years ago. And I shared this not longer with you, but it fits so well here. But 20 years ago is where I thought God was leading us and pretty much he has fulfilled every bit of it. But guess what? He's even exceeded what I thought he would do. But he didn't do it exactly the way I thought he'd do it. I think many of us would probably look back on our lives and say the same thing. This is what I wanted all along. But I never dreamed it would be much more than I ever thought. And really, I never dreamed it would come the way it came. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Some of you have gone through some of the most tremendous things. Some of the things you tell me you've gone through, I'm not sure I could have gone through. (laughs) And I'm sure I could tell you things I've gone through that maybe you couldn't go through, but you know something? It's God directing the path. And you get on the other side of it and you're right over here and you're looking at it and you're like, I never dreamed he'd get me here. But here I am. Didn't think it would take this path 20 years ago. This, this is no lie. I have the sheet. I went and looked at it again this morning. This is the 20-year plan. It's three pages here. And, and, and let me show you, 2018. Okay? Here's what I was projecting that possibly that God could do if we got serious about what what he wanted us to do. That we would have uh, 1,200 in church on Sunday. And that would include two other church plants that we would start. I'm serious. It's right here. I hadn't changed the thing. 2018, 1,200 people, two plants. Guess what? God's exceeded that. Didn't exactly happen the way I thought it was going to happen. He exceeded that. The, the, there's, they're, they're, on a good Sunday here We can have as many as 700 worshipers That includes our children Which sometimes they outnumber us We better be careful But anyway uh, uh, And then you look at a church we helped plant in Far City They run about 600 And then you look at uh, a church we planted in Bowling Springs They run about 100 And then there's a church that was planted from a church we planted That's running about the same thing we're running Guess what That comes to almost a thousand more people worshiping God than I thought 20 years ago. Did he answer it the way? Yeah, amen. Did did he answer it the way I thought he was going to answer? Absolutely not. Was it tough to go through some of that? Absolutely. But here we are. God has a plan. Next, his compelling reach was backed by God's people. How did it happen? Number one, through going support. And Jonathan mentioned this just a couple of weeks ago. There's so many ways we can be about God's business. And look at verse 25, Paul says, but now I'm going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints. So that's through going support. Number two, through sending support. Romans 15, verse 26, for it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. It pleased them, and they are are debtors. But if the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister to them in material things. He's basically saying if it was given to them, then guess what? They ought to be willing to give also when the need comes up. There needs to be that expected support. And that's what he's talking about here. And then thirdly, through prayerful support. And and that's what we just heard just a moment ago, the fact that many of us were praying as as he went out. Look at verse 30. Now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit that you strive together with me in prayers to God for whom? For me. Pray for me. I'm begging you, basically. Pray for me. It's serious out there. It's dangerous at times. Pray for me. That I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, that I may come to you with joy by the will of God and may be refreshed together with you. Now, the God of peace be with you all. Amen. So, how can we do this? Well, we can pray. Can you you pray for someone you're sending? Most definitely. We can give. Can, can we help give those who are willing to go? Definitely, and we should. Can we go ourselves? That's even better. That's even, that, that right there will probably create more life-changing you could ever imagine by going, and it always does. I've never been on a mission trip, never been on a mission trip where God didn't do a work in my life in some way or another. I've never shared the gospel with someone in which God made me more sure of what, what I was doing than, than me even starting out. Sometimes it's come by way of reject, rejection. You know what the common theme is now when you try to talk to someone about the Lord? That's a private matter. Isn't it funny how the, our, our society's going? The whole idea about who God is in a person's life is a private matter, but what are we doing on social media? We tell people more than they ever wanted to know. I heard about some ladies' bowel movements the other day. Who cares? I heard the baby finally had a poop. Okay, great. If that's what we've been praying for, let's celebrate, you know. I know that sounds great. Anyway, I'm sorry. But anyway, it's amazing how our society will talk about anything but anything. Anyway, I'll shut up now. Application for God to bless and anoint the ministry and mission here at Putnam. Excuse me, PCC. (laughs) I'm going to have to give some people money for that. We must follow a biblical mandate and model that can only be summed up in a compelling reach and not our traditions and limitations. A compelling reach, let me just tell you this, can only come by way of determination. We got to be determined to allow God to use us and to use us in ways we never thought he could. I want to invite you to stand to your feet, please. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation this morning. And I don't know where you are this morning. I, I know that this whole month we've been talking about going, going beyond the borders, going beyond the borders of our heart. You've been introduced to ministry that some of you've never even knew were out there. And many of you stepped up and responded in a great way. I don't know where you are this morning, but here's, here it is right here. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have the greatest need in this room. That will help you to understand that you will have a place to belong and a sense of purpose like you've never known before. Second of all, maybe this is the church home God's called you to be a part of. We welcome you to be a part of this church. We'd love to have more hands and more hearts involved in going and doing what we feel like he's called us to do. Or maybe you just need to respond in a a whole different way. I don't know how God's challenged you this month. I know how he's challenged me, but I don't know how he's challenged you. Maybe you need someone to pray with you about that. We'll be here at the front. We just ask you to do what God's calling you to do. Would you sing with us this morning?